All right, we got another edition of Let's Talk with Michelle Hardman. Always good to be on location, and I am in, I'm going to say, downtown Bargersville <laughs> today. Bargersville, Indiana, with my buddy Mark Falsetti here at the Abate of Indiana office. And thanks for taking some time with me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Tell me a little bit about, if somebody isn't familiar with Abate, what does that stand for? Abate? Uh, ABATE, ABATE, uh, it stands for American Bikers Aim Towards Education. That's the official acronym for the organization. Back in the early days of ABATE, when it was first formed in the 1970s, it was uh, basically it stood for a brotherhood against totalitarian enactments. Well, sounds pretty technical. <laughs> yeah, it does. It sounds very radical. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, that was back in the in the in the 1970s when things were a little bit different in the motorcycling community and wasn't quite as mainstream and accepted as it is today. Um, and you know, Bait of Indiana was kind of created as uh, a, an organized way to try to represent motorcyclists uh, when it comes to legislative issues to make sure that we weren't discriminated against or uh, used in any way so there was absolutely no kind of representation uh, in the states for um, uh, motorcyclists. Uh, in the 1970s there were transitions and how motorcyclists were treated. Um, how motorcycles in general were treated, uh, you know, introducing licensing and things like that. Those all took place in the 1970s. Prior to that, it didn't require any licensing to ride a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of got involved with it in a very early a, uh, age of uh, uh, motorcycle rider education and training. Part of the, uh, the, the, the goal of Abate of Indiana was to introduce uh, formal motorcycle training to uh, to individuals, and we brought rider education into the state in 1977-78, and this was before the state of Indiana actually recognized rider education or were even involved with rider education. They didn't come on board until 85-86, really? so we were doing this prior to them. And didn't you tell me that there was a, a woman, actually, that kind of got this yeah. started? Yeah, uh, Bait of Indiana was actually... Uh, Started by a woman, uh, her name was Wanda Hummel, and um, she actually was kind of, oh, roped into the idea of doing it uh, through the uh, editor of Easy Rider magazine. Okay. And Easy Rider magazine, um, the many people know them as the biker magazine, um, started the idea of a bait in their publication in the 1970s. And uh, Wanda was a subscriber. She was riding. Um, she actually was uh, a rarity for a woman that actually rides her own motorcycle in the 1970s, which yeah. you rarely saw that. Yeah. Um, it was a very male-dominated time. Um, and she had saw the article about Abate in Easy Riders and called Keith Ball, the editor of the magazine, and asked him about it. And by the time she was done with that conversation, she found out that she was basically in charge of Indiana Abate. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, she, she wrote a book that we released uh, called I Volunteered for What? Uh, that pretty much was, the, uh, sums up what happened there. Um, and you said she was in, what, her early 30s at the time? Yeah, yeah. She was young. She was married. She was uh, uh, just 
very passionate about um, about motorcycles and uh, about you know at the time it was the the big issue was helmet laws motorcycle helmet laws mm -hmm. and uh, federally they were pushing on getting helmet laws passed across the country state by state uh, Indiana was involved in that discussion as well too we ended up having a helmet law passed and she was determined to get that repealed uh, you know a beta of Indiana is not necessarily we're not against helmets. You know, we believe that helmets are a very important piece of protective equipment when you ride, just like your boots and your gloves and your eye protection and everything. But we don't believe that the government should mandate a, adults' decision to be able to or to to to, to wear the helmet. Totally kind of, agree. <laughs> we feel that it's kind of create it creates a kind of false sense of security as well too. Uh, I know we've all seen that individual with the full face helmet wearing flip flops and shorts on a motorcycle riding down the interstate. Um, there's a you know it, it it's it's a psychological thing, and it, but it, it it's not something that you know we have we don't have any problem with helmets itself. It's just the mandating of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, so Wanda basically took it upon herself to try to organize the first uh, protest. Uh, in Indianapolis and across the state uh, to have the helmet law repealed. And that's kind of what started the entire creation of a Bait of Indiana. It just kind of built from there. But, cool. you know, when you're talking about a woman in the 1970s, mm -hmm. talking to, in, in many cases, a lot of the early people that were involved in it were the motorcycle clubs, like the Outlaws and the Hells Angels, those type of individuals were the ones that were really involved with it. And uh, they really didn't take very kindly to a woman telling them what they can and can't do and yeah. trying to tell them what they need to do. Yeah. Um, but her personality was such that she was able to get people on board really quickly. And, um, you know, she did, a, she, she did a really good job of getting everything started, get it rolling, and, uh, you know, starting what we have today, which is, you know, we are the largest state motorcyclist rights organization in the country. Mm, that's cool. And, uh, you know, we are involved in so many different things. We've got volunteers across the state uh, involved in everything, in local communities, local uh, the town, the state. I mean, we're involved in a lot of different projects, and um, it's all volunteer. And you With, kind of have them divided up into regions, right? Yes, we have 14 regions in the state. Okay. Uh, each region has their own region director that's elected by the people in that region. Uh, the regions are made up of multiple counties geographically, so those counties each have a county representative, and those county representatives are elected by the members in that county. We hold elections each year, um, and uh, they make the organization run on a local level. Uh, us here in the office, there's typically um, three or four of us here in the office at any given time. Um, we are paid. Um, we, this is a full-time job for us, um, but everybody else is a volunteer. And they give of their time, and many of them find that it's a full-time job in itself. Yeah. You know, region directors, uh, even though it doesn't seem like you know there would be a lot going on, uh, a lot of responsibility, there's a lot of responsibility. We are a large organization and uh, along with that comes a lot of responsibilities whether it's to state local government federal government whether it's reporting you know we being a nonprofit we have to um, account for every dollar that we spend and every dollar that we receive mm -hmm. 
And this is a membership organization, yes, per se. How many is. members do we have, do you know? Offhand? We have currently around 10,000 members. Wow. Um, at our peak, we were at about 27, 28,000 members. But ever since the recession in 2007, it's been tougher. You know, it's it started to slowly drop, 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 and uh, unfortunately, it, it's that way in motorcycling in general. I mean, we all see stories in the news about you know the the sales, motorcycles dropping. You know, the Harley Davidson is you know they're they're in bad trouble right now, and their 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 stock has been. A, almost delegated to junk bond status, I believe, now on the NASDAQ. Wow. And um, so it's, it's a tough time because it, we found that um, the, the next generation doesn't seem to be really interested in motorcycles. How can you not be interested in motorcycles? <laughs> it, 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 it's, it, it's, it, it's funny. It, it just seems like you know, all of the manufacturers are trying to figure out ways to spur interest with the younger individuals to buy motorcycles and they have not been able to crack that. Hmm. Had a hard time trying to get the younger generation to be interested in motorcycles. But perfect example is um, we've all, you know, know that kids are not as gung-ho on getting their driver's license. And that blows my mind. I can't imagine that. And I think part of that has to probably do with because of the way that we're, we live in a world where everything is so easily accessible right from your phone that, you, you know, everybody communicates, they're friends, they all talk, whether, you know, it's in social media or whatever. Um, that's how they communicate. Before when, you know, being an old guy <laughs> back in the day, you know, we had to go to see our friends. Yeah. And if we wanted to do something, we had to actually get transportation there from our parents. We were just dying to get our driver's license <laughs> so we could find some independence to yeah. be able to do something. Yeah. That's not there. I mean, I have a nephew that's 18 going on 19 years old, and he still doesn't have his driver's license and has no interest in getting it. I can't imagine that. You know, how many of us were, as soon as we turned 16, I want to get my driver's license? Yeah. Now huh. nothing. That's wild. So I think that has that, that's related to it in many ways. I mean, we're we're all older and, and and we're not getting any younger, and we're trying to figure out a way to bring the younger generation in to continue on, and uh, mm -hmm. that's a big key. Okay, so it's ever evolving then. Yes, it is always ever evolving. What does it cost to be a member of the Twenty five dollars a year for a single membership, and that includes your membership card. You'll get a patch for the first year. Um, you get a monthly magazine subscription to Hoosier Motorcyclist magazine um, featuring Michelle's article <laughs> yes. every month. And uh, you also get free legal services. You get an accidental death and dismemberment benefit for $3,500. Uh, you get free classifieds in the magazine and on the website each month. Hmm. Um, for $25, I think you get a lot for Can't it. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, that's another one of the issues is that people don't seem to be interested in joining groups as much as they used to and being a part of that. Mm -hmm. We've become so isolated mm -hmm. in the world that we're in right now that everybody seems to be, you know, with their face buried in the phone and mm -hmm. all their communication and relationships are in that little tiny screen. 
order everything offline. So that's right. Have to go anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and we also actually have a couple membership for a year for forty-five dollars, where two people at the same household um, can be a member for a year as well too. You get the same benefits for each one of them. Hmm. Well, I think it's a good good value myself. Oh, appreciate I'm a little biased that. on there, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah. but. laughs> and I never know how to say it. You're saying it abate. I always said abate. Yeah, it all depends on uh, it, uh, it, what side of US 40 you're on. <laughs> Just, okay. But no, I mean, I've heard that uh, uh, said both ways on all ends of the state and around the country. Um, it, it all depends. It doesn't really matter. I always say abate, uh, okay. but I also, I, I don't. The abate seems to be a more of a southern thing to me. Well, that would be me then. Yeah, it's more of a southern thing. And that is, uh, you know, it's something we didn't touch on is that there are abates all over the country. Mm. They're all independent. Okay. And um, so you, we have a bait of Illinois, a bait of Ohio, you know, a bait of Michigan surrounding us. We all have very good working relationships with them as well, too. And it doesn't matter if you're in Michigan, Illinois, wherever, they still have the abate abate <laughs> controversy as well too. So it's like not just an either Indian. or either. Yeah. I guess, which way do you say it? I say either. I do too. Okay, we're good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's it, it's not just an Indiana thing. And you guys do a big banquet once a year. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll get to do it depending on what's going on in February or January, whenever you have February. it. February. I got to go for the first time this this past one. You give out a lot of recognition. Oh sure. I was blown away. How many? plaques and stuff you guys give out it's because i mean being a volunteer organization that's how we recognize and acknowledge the the people around the state that uh, do so much for the organization because without them it wouldn't work hmm. i mean we sure we have uh, staff here in the office to keep the day-to-day -day going um but if it wasn't for those individuals in the regions and counties doing what they do um you know, we wouldn't be able to uh, accomplish anything near what we have. Yeah. So by recognizing them, giving them an award, uh, putting their name out there, letting people know that this person went above and beyond, uh, it's important for us. And that's nice. I think people appreciate that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we always try to do something for, you know, for the volunteers, for the businesses that donate to us. Um, you know, we've got a lot of partnerships around the state with other local businesses whether it's a motorcycle shop or even the local Dollar General store, you know they all get involved. At Christmas time, uh, our toy runs uh, are, are dependent upon our relationships with a lot of our businesses that we work with. Talk about the is it Toys for Tots? What do you call yours? Well, we we call them uh, can't call it Toys for Tots because that's the Marine Corps League. They own okay. that. Okay. Um, so it's different wherever you're at because I know our Region Nine, which is down in the Clarksville area. Um, they actually work with the Marine Corps League down there, so they call it Toys for Tots. Okay. But we have some Toys for Tykes. We do a toy run, toy ride, depending on what it is. Okay. And, uh, you know, they get very creative. Mm -hmm. You know, we have some of our people that um, they'll put uh, Santa Claus in a suit on a motorcycle pulling a sleigh <laughs> that's been created by a trailer for the motorcycle that looks like a sleigh and it's got every garland on it and they fill it with the toys and they will go and, and deliver them. Cute. With Santa riding his Harley. You know? <laughs> I uh, love it. <laughs> but you know we do a lot of that. Um, you know in Elkhart they actually have a Christmas party 
that they, I believe they work with local community groups to find out the families that are in need, mm -hmm. find out what the kids want and what the families need as far as food and things like that. And then they will go out and uh, do some fundraising. They'll collect up the stuff that they need. And then they'll hold a party at, I believe they do it at a local Elks Lodge up there. Um, and they'll have Santa. And he will have the kids come up to him. And he'll give them a wrapped gift, which just happens to be what they wanted. <laughs> and they, it's magic to them. Yeah. How did Santa know? He knew. Yeah. Um, and we'll give food to the families that don't have any food so they can have their Christmas meals. And, you know, we do a lot of that. And that feels good, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's nice to be able to do that stuff. It, you know, it, it, it's doing something constructive, um, helping the community. And we've been doing this, you know, for 30 years or more, 40 years. Hmm. Um, it's just, um, it's, it's harder and harder to find volunteers. Yeah. You know. Well, just like you said a while ago, the younger generation, it seems like they don't want to give of their time. They don't want to give back as much as we all do. We're all used to that. It's true. That is true. I don't um, know why that is, but... Yeah, and that is probably, you know, one of the top things outside of, you know, our membership numbers, you know, needing to go back up and, you know, dwindling as they are. Um, the biggest problem that we have is volunteers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's getting harder and harder to get people to volunteer to help with events, um, and without volunteers, we can't do what we do. Right. So. And until somebody's actually been involved in an event, they don't mm -hmm. really have a clue what it takes to, oh, sure. to do a lot of this yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, we do so many different things throughout the year. Um, uh, locally, it can be anything for, uh, you know, a food drive for a pantry, a food pantry. Um, it can be... Uh, you know, maybe raising money for the local softball group or, um, you know, we've done blood drives. Um, Monroe County was really big on doing blood drives for years where they would have hundreds of people show up hmm. to donate blood. And they would do it around a ride. Okay. So you do a ride and then you either end up and give blood or you give blood and then you go on your ride. And uh, I'd have to do it at the end because I'd be passed out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get on a bike after that. <laughs> but, you know, those are great things that we do. You know, the Riley Children's Hospital Miracle Ride is a huge event that we've been involved with since the beginning. And, uh, you know, that brings in people from outside of the state as well, too. And you have seven, 8,000 motorcyclists in Indianapolis. And, you know, they've raised millions of dollars for Riley Children's Hospital. Cool. And that's such a great feeling to be a part of that. Yeah. And just to see the, the, the sea of motorcycles. And to hear that. And to hear the hear. roar of that, yeah. yes. And they get to take a trip around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and they go by the hospital. And the patients, uh, a lot of the kids will be out there waving. And, you know, it, they, they look forward to it every year. Mm -hmm. A lot of the kids that are regular patients there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's touching when you ride by and you see a child in a wagon, covered up in blankets with an IV attached to their arm, and their parents and the nurses are with them, and they've got the biggest grin, and they're waving, and you look at them going, they must be miserable. How do you do that? Yeah. And they light, they just light up. Hmm. They just That's love cool. that. That's cool that you all do that. Talk a little bit, too, about the writer classes. Ah uh, yes, uh, that's important too. Uh, yes, and you know, as I said before, you know, one of the the the, the 
early foundations of a bait was uh, rider education to teach people how to ride, get them uh, get their license, um, to make sure that they are safe on the roads out there and that they are not uh, a, a danger to themselves. Um, you know, we have been doing classes since seventy seven, seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, right now, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, eight locations in the state doing classes. Cool. So we have uh, Maryville, Elkhart, Fort Wayne, Kokomo, Indianapolis, um, Clarksville, Evansville for sales. Okay. So we're doing classes at all those locations. Okay. Uh, each class is 12 students with two instructors. Uh, they take between 15 and 20 hours long for the class. What's you it don't, cost? You don't have to have a permit to take the class. If you pass the class, you get your endorsement. Okay. Um, we put input their information that they pass the class into the BMV system. And the next day they can go to the license branch and get their endorsement. It'll already be in the system that they passed. Cool. The classes are 199 okay. and we provide the motorcycles for the class. Hmm. Um, we uh, used to provide helmets uh, if you didn't have a helmet, but we had to put that on hold because of the COVID situation. Okay. Uh, trying to keep helmets sanitized was a, a, a challenge, so uh, the students have to bring a helmet with them. Um, but when you complete the class, you uh, you know, you, you can get your motorcycle endorsement, and most insurance companies will give you a discount on your motorcycle insurance you've when, had you, the class. when you've had the class. Cool. So it all kind of pays for itself in the long run. It all works itself out. And, uh, you know, the, the classes are for both novice, inexperienced riders to experienced riders. You know, you can always learn something, mm-hmm. regardless of how many years you've been on a motorcycle. There's always something to be learned there, and it's nice to take a refresher every once in a while. Probably is a good idea. A lot of people probably wouldn't think that they need that, but it sure. is a good idea. There was a, a point in time where in, Abate of Indiana was pretty much the sole provider for rider education in the state. We were uh, when when I first came in in 1987, um, Terre Haute, Kokomo, and Fort Wayne were independently run from our classes. We were running the other parts of the state, but those locations were run by other private contractors. Um, Terre Haute was done by ISU. Um, They were running classes at their campus. Kokomo was, uh, I don't remember which high school, Kokomo High School, whatever it was, they were running classes. And then Fort Wayne was uh, Gary Stevens, who was a former police officer who started um, motorcycle classes there. Uh, all three of them decided eventually to get out of it, and they asked us if we were interested in taking over, so we took over their programs as well, too, leaving us to be the only provider for many years. Up until about maybe eight years ago, um, we uh, ended up in a situation where they put contracts out to multiple providers. They wanted to open it up to more uh, availability. So we ended up with um, uh, still most of the programs, but other programs were also uh, put in outside of ours. Uh, Other providers were as well uh, to try to open up and expand it to more people. Um, But even to this day, we still are teaching the 
majority of the students in the state, even though we're not running them all. Typically on an average year, how many people will go through the program? Uh, when we were doing it by ourselves, we had anywhere from five to 7,000 students a year going Seriously? through the program. Wow. Um, right now, with the other providers, we're probably around two, 3,000 students. Hmm. Um, and the state says that we're still doing a total of about 7,000 students a year with all the other providers combined. Pretty cool. So we're probably doing about half of those. Okay, that's quite yeah. a bit. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. That's another thing that's another problem that we have is instructors. Hmm. You know, our instructors do get paid. They get paid for the class regardless of whether students show up or not. And it um, becomes a little bit more complicated for us and a little more financially challenging because um, if we don't have a full class, we don't collect as much money but we still have to pay the instructors the same amount of money regardless. So you're losing money then, yeah. the organization. Yeah. yeah. And classes okay. used to be, you know, up until this year, classes um, were anywhere from $50 to most recently $99 for the class. Um, but we realized that we couldn't continue in that model because we were losing money. Um, and so that was the reason why we decided to go from 99 to 199 um, because of the fact that we couldn't sustain, you know, the losses mm -hmm. based on the fact that the membership's down, you know, everything is all down. Before, we used to be able to supplement that, even though people, you know, would say, oh, you guys are making all kind of money. No, we really weren't making money at $99. We were, we were actually losing money. Mm -hmm. um, but the membership and membership fees were supplementing that to keep it co the cost-effective classes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why we really hated to bring it up to where we were, to where we are now, but it was necessary in order for us to be able to maintain this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we also do licensed testing for the BMV as well. So, you know, if you go and get your permit at the license branch so you can, you know, start to ride your motorcycle, um, you have to take a writing test to complete that to get your full license. And um, we were asked back in, I want to say it was around two th early 2000s, we were asked by the BMV if we'd be interested in taking over testing hmm. responsibilities because it was hard for them. Um, they didn't have the resources to really do it effectively. Um, it was hit or miss for a lot of students that were testing back then because um, they didn't know if it was running or not. It would get canceled at the last minute and nobody would know. Um, and the people that were doing testing had, they were also the same people that were testing people to get their driver's license. They didn't know anything about motorcycles. Right. Um, so we started doing it back then. Um, and we continue to do it to this day. Um, but testing, we do testing at $10 hmm. per person. And that money goes to the person that does the testing to cover their time standing in a parking lot in the heat for hours <laughs> on a okay. you know, afternoon on Sunday or Saturday. <laughs> okay. Um, so we that was one thing that we could still keep it down to a, a reasonable price. Uh, some of the other providers are charging fifty to seventy-five dollars to do the riding test. Wow, big difference. Yeah, and that's that's been one of the issues of the sticking points that we had with some of the commercialization of rider education. We were concerned about the fact that um, if you're doing it to make money, um, 
where are your you know your priorities um, you know well, how does that affect the bottom line for the other programs because if this person's charging fifty dollars and that person's charging fifty dollars um, is that forcing everybody else to charge the same amount or they feel obligated to um, you know it just it becomes a concern for us as a motorcyclist watchdog organization because we're on both sides of this right. we're providers of training and testing but we're also you know, a watchdog for the best interest of the motorcyclist. So we have to wear two different hats when it comes to that. But you have to make enough money to cover expenses to keep going. Yeah. So yeah, yeah there's a fine line. In yeah, that. and we've yeah, I mean we've we had a great uh, working we have a good working relationship with the BMV. Um, you know, it, it's been hot or cold over the last couple administrations. Um, but you know, uh, Peter Lacey is the new commissioner. Um, you know, he's a good guy to work with. Um, I don't know. People don't realize that Peter Lacey is actually the son of a very well-known, very influential um, businessman, uh, very wealthy businessman in Indianapolis, uh, Andre Lacey, who just passed away a couple of years ago. And Andre was uh, actually uh, they owned uh, they they owned several large corporations, including some motorcycle parts manufacturers. Hmm. Um, Custom Chrome and Biker's Choice hmm. was actually uh, owned by his corporation. And so Peter, um, having motorcycle experience in his background and all of that, was a nice nice addition to the BMV for us, you know, having that knowledge relationship and, you know, working uh, relationship with his father prior to that. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me, is there anything safety-wise as far as somebody who maybe doesn't own a bike, doesn't know anything about them, what should they be looking out for on the road that maybe they don't think about as far as safety-wise for, for the motorcycle rider? Sure, sure. Now, the, the average driver on the roadway needs to understand that motorcycles um, uh, can stop a lot quicker than cars, trucks can. And what may not appear to be tailgating a motorcycle um, is surprising that it actually is. You know, you talk about a couple of car lengths that you need to separate yourself from the car in front of you. Mm -hmm. You should have a little bit more space for a motorcycle in front of you because if they have to stop quickly, you won't have enough time to be able to react to that because of how quick a motorcycle can stop. I mean, it's, okay. it's a law of physics. I mean, it's a lot smaller, a lot less weight. Um, and they can stop on a dime. Mm -hmm. Cars can't. There's a lot more weight and momentum that goes with that. So give them a lot more space. Okay. Always, always um, look for those vehicles. Keep an eye out for the headlight. Uh, although it's, it's harder now than it used to be because all cars have daytime running lights. So there's a lot of lights out there. Before, you used to be able to identify that motorcycle immediately because it was the only vehicle that had light on. Yeah. Um, but always keep an eye out for them. Take your time when you're getting ready to pull out uh, onto a street. Um, you look, look again, and then look again both ways. Make sure you're looking for the small objects, not the big ones. Because yeah. it's easy for a, uh, a motorcycle to get lost, especially in, let's say, downtown Bedford. You know, going down the main drag with all of the lights and the buildings and the signs and everything that's going on, yeah. 
it's easy for a motorcycle to get lost in that. You just don't see them. And that's one of the most common, um, you know, comments that people make when they hit a motorcycle. I didn't see them. Hmm. You have to take a little bit of time and look for them. Okay. You know, it's one, it's one thing to see a semi coming for you. I mean, you see hmm. that. You have no problem seeing that. And you're going to think twice about pulling out in front of it because of what the potential is. Motorcycles are harder to judge. You know, they're smaller. It's harder to judge the speed they're going. And a motorcycle could seem like it's far enough away from you that you can pull out, but you have no idea that motorcycle is going faster than you believe, and you've pulled out right in front of them, and they've hit you. Hmm. So you have to be very conscious of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Talk to me about the magazine. The you, Hoosier Motorcyclist magazine. You've been uh, an editor? Uh, editor, publisher, whatever. Um, How long? Uh, I, I I first started as the Bates offices used to be in Granger, up at the top of the state, South Bend, Mishawaka, up that area along the state line, and uh, back in 1984-85, I was working in South Bend for a little shopping publication called the Penny Saver, kind of like the Thrifty Nickel. Okay. And I was working in their ad department. I had been out of college. I, I went to the University of Cincinnati and got a degree in graphic design. Graduated in 84 um, and uh, ended up getting a job as an uh, artist in the art department uh, at laying out ads at the Penny Saver. And uh, one of the, the Abate was contracting them to do their newspaper at the time. And it would come out every couple of months or whenever they could afford to do it. It was a large newspaper format. Okay. The person that was doing that in the art department was leaving, and they were looking for somebody to take it over. And I said, sure, I'll take it over. I like a challenge. It'll be extra work for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so they um, introduced me to the executive director at the time, uh, Mike Faribault. Michael Faribault goes by the, by the nickname Balls. <laughs> okay. And um, very, uh, very strong personality, very strong leader, um, could convince anybody to do anything. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, he would come in, uh, make an appointment, come in, and drop off a pile of random stuff that we had to put into a newspaper. <laughs> you know, it could be things written on a cocktail napkin or a note, a piece of scrap of paper, whatever. And uh, this is there's what we need to do to put this together. I can remember the first time I met him. It was in the middle of winter, snowing outside, probably five inches of snow on the ground, and he pulls up in his motorcycle. <laughs> it's right up the sidewalk and parks right in front of the door. And apparently he puts chains on his motorcycle to ride during the winter. He ride the bike. Oh, wow. 12 months out of the year, huh. unless he had to haul something that he couldn't put on the bike. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we we hit it off. Uh, you know, I, I did the publication with the penny saver, laid it out for him um, for about a year or so. And uh, at that time, uh, Apple had come out with a Macintosh computer. The first laser printers had come out and a program called PageMaker by a company called Aldis had come out. It was the first time you could do desktop publishing. Okay. And um, this was 1987, I think it was, 86, 87. 
And I told him, you know, you could bring all this stuff in-house if you invested this money in these things. And you could have, you know, control of the publication yourself. Right. And uh, he said, let's, let's work on doing that. And uh, from the profits from an event one year, um, they ended up hiring me as a full-time employee and purchased some equipment. And uh, August 1987 was the first was when I first started working as an employee of a Bay of Indiana okay. in the office in Granger, which is an office attached to a garage next to a trailer that he lived in. Okay. So it, well, that was our offices for a while. Um, didn't know anything about the software. Um, when I went to college for graphic design, everything was done by hand. There were no computers. Okay. So I had to learn to use the computer, use the software, and uh, create the first monthly publication in about a month. Crash course. And <laughs> uh, But it was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing that. And uh, so I've been doing it in the office full time since August 87. Cool. And It'll be 33 awesome years on the 19th of this month. Yeah? Yeah, I think it was August 19th that I started. Very cool. Yeah. We'll have to remember to tell you happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it, yeah, it was one of the things that I took a cut in pay to take this job. Hmm. And I wasn't making that much at the penny saver. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I was making about $6 an hour <laughs> at the time. And um, uh, I took a cut in pay to take the job, but I really thought, you know, this is a great challenge. Got some, it, it, it just could be really fun. I'll do it for about five years and then I'll find a new job. And so 33 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> Which means you love what you do. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, you know, it's, people say, you know, you, you've created your position from the ground up. And so it's true. You know, it'd be really hard for me to try to uh, teach somebody everything that I do because I, I do so many different things. I mean, I'm not just, the magazine's only a fraction of what I do. Yeah. So... About a week and a half or so of my month is on the publication. Everything else is, you know, involves my time. Um, whether it's the website, abateonline.org, um, that's one of the things I had to learn. I had to learn about creating a website and web design and all of that. Okay. Um, our Facebook page, maintaining the Facebook, we have multiple Facebook pages, but... Uh, it, our, we're at Abate of I-N at Facebook, Abate of I-N, okay. and um, Abate of Indiana on Twitter, Abate of Indiana on Instagram, you know, all your standard social medias. Um, I maintain all of the computer equipment here in the office. Um, they're responsible for setting up and maintaining the database. The database is integrated into the website, so that's all kind of integrated with each other. A lot of the other promotional things that I do for membership, um, uh, I'm, I'm responsible for doing a lot of that as well, too. We also do work for the Motorcycle Riders Foundation, which is a national organization that was created by the abate organizations around the country to be representation in Washington, D.C. on federal issues. Okay. Uh, I do work for them as well, too. Um, a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I order a lot of the things. I'm basically maintenance here in the office. I fix stuff. Uh, uh, responsible for a lot of different things. 
So it's kind of grown. I've added new responsibilities onto it. Our phone system. Our phone system is just as bad as a computer system. I mean, our phones nowadays are all basically computers as well, too. Um, maintaining those, doing troubleshooting for everybody. You know, we've got uh, several people in the office. Um, I'll say a couple of people in the office that are kind of technically uh, challenged when it comes like to myself. computers and <laughs> cell phones and things like that. So I'm always helping uh, it solve issues that they're having as well, too. Um, so there's a lot of things that I do outside of just the magazine, but that's primarily what my title is. Well, in talking about the magazine, I've kind of watched that evolve, too, just since I started writing in 2016. The, the cover was just kind of a paper. Mm -hmm. It was color, but it was just regular paper. Now we're a high gloss. Yes. I mean, that's kind of progressed, too, over the years. Yeah, yeah. The magazine has evolved over the years. When it was first started, it, the newspaper, it didn't really have a name. Uh, when I first came in and started doing it in-house, um, because of the limitations of laser printers, um, which is what I was printing my masters for the printer on, was 8.5 by 11. It went to a magazine format, which I like. Um, we called it the Abate News for a long time. Uh, and then I eventually wanted to give it a little bit more of character and gave it the Hoosier Motorcycle its name. And it's been that way for, I want to say, 20 years maybe. Really? Yeah. It's been a while. I know I had controversy when I made the change that people thought that it should still be Abate News. It's too boring. <laughs> you know, it'd be a little like more Hoosier creative. Yeah, that's right. It's something that we own. I mean, nobody else in the country is a Hoosier. Mm -hmm. You know, or knows what a Hoosier is, although more people know that, especially with the movie and that. But yeah. uh, I think it, it gives it a personality. I like it. Good change. I'm proud of it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I know you've mentioned the website, you've mentioned the Facebook and all the social media. Where is the office actually located? Our office is located in beautiful, sunny downtown Bargersville, Indiana, which is about 15 miles south, directly south of Indianapolis along uh, State Road 135. We're actually uh, uh, several miles west of Franklin, Indiana. Okay. And we sit between Franklin and Mooresville. Um, it's a nice little community. And we moved the offices here in 1993. And... Um, why did you move them down here? We, why did we move them? We moved because being a state organization and because we have so many uh, legislative issues that we deal with as, uh, you know, the, as a rights organization, it was best that we be located near the state capitol. Okay. Uh, and essentially locating it makes it a lot easier for a lot of things that we do. Uh, and that was the reason why it was moved here. I, I knew that it was going to happen one way or another regardless because it only makes sense it would be in the middle of the state as opposed to at the top of the state or the bottom right. of the state right. uh, since we are dealing with uh, the entire state of Indiana. Um, the organization has uh, been in here since 1993. We bought the building next door to expand our room as well too. It was funny too because when we first moved down here in 1993, so it seems like an eternity ago, mm -hmm. um, there was concerns with the community because this biker organization was going to be moving into town and they were afraid that it was just going to be chaos. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they realized that now we're... Pretty peaceful. We're, and we're a serious, <laughs> we're a business, we're community involved, and uh, no, it's not, you know, this crazy group of 
uncontrollable bikers out here <laughs> doing things. Now it's it's a nice, peaceful, quiet location, and it's nice to be in a little quaint town like this, to be close enough to Indianapolis, but not have to deal with the expenses of Marion County. Yeah, it's cheaper for us to be down here. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's nothing fancy. It, it achieves what we need it to achieve, and uh, you know, we we have uh, you know. Jay Jackson, who is our executive director, and I have something very much in common. We're both very tight when it comes to money. <laughs> okay. And we're always determined to get the best price that we can on anything that we need to purchase. So we don't make purchases unless it's absolutely necessary. Okay. Um, so we treat the nonprofit organization as a nonprofit organization, that this is not our money. This is the members' money. It belongs to the organization. We need to be good stewards of the money that the organization has. Right. Um, and so we don't have a lot of fancy anything. A lot of things are secondhand, hand-me-down, donations. Uh, you know, even though, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very large organization when it comes to financial... Um, Income and uh, expenses, you know, it really. All right, silence that. <laughs> and um, even though, um, you know, we do have money, we don't feel the need that we have to spend it. Right. You know, unless it, it's, it, it's a justified thing that we think is, is a worthwhile investment to it and something that the organization needs, we don't necessarily spend it. You know, we have. We have a corporate office in Fort Wayne um, that we do uh, bingo three times a year, okay. Coliseum Bingo. Um, so we have that building up there. And then we have the property in Lawrence County, the off-road park, the Lawrence County Recreational Park. Those were two major investments for us. Um, the um, the, the hall up in Fort Wayne allows us to be able to generate revenue for the organization, especially in the tougher times when things are a little bit leaner and not having to lean on our motorcycle volunteers and members all the time. Um, the park in Lawrence County was kind of a, it was, it was purchased out of necessity of a location for us to have our state event, which was the boogie, mm -hmm. um, we were had been holding it in uh, Bean Blossom, Brown County, just north of Nashville, uh, since 1982, and uh, in around 2000, our lease was up, the owner of the property had passed away, the family did not want to renew the lease, so we had to find a new home okay. for the event. So we started looking around the state, and we figured we should look at probably purchasing someplace and in the process of purchasing a piece of property that we can hold the event on, we can also use it full-time as an off-road park, which there are very few of them in the state, for people that have motorcycles and ATVs that want to do trail riding. And so, so it's also generating money. Yes, yeah, to yeah. try to help offset the cost of the property. Uh, so, you know, we, we opened up Lawrence County Recreational Park. And, uh, you know, it's been, it, it's been good for the organization because Abate has always been known as a street motorcycle organization, even though we have been involved with some of the off-roading things, too. We really haven't been looked at that way. 
Uh, and the park allowed us to be able to get a little bit more involved in the off-roading community too and, and have more of a presence with that. Uh, in the early 2000s as well, uh, there was an organization similar to Abate um, for the off-road community that was called DIRT, Discover Indiana Riding Trails. And they had been going for uh, quite for a few years, but they were having financial troubles, things were struggling with them, and uh, they approached us and asked if we would be interested in kind of, you know, um, bringing the organization into a bait and having it become a part of a bait. And okay. So we ended up bringing DIRT in uh, to a bait of Indiana, and that became a part of the organization as well, too, for the off-road community. And it's what, 400 acre park out there? Yes, it's about 400 acres. That's big. A lot of people don't realize it's that big. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a beautiful park. What makes us different than any other off-road park in the state is that it's motorcycles and ATVs only. There's no trucks, no Jeeps, no big vehicles that, you know, you are fearing for your life <laughs> yeah. to be run over. Yeah. Uh, and in the process of doing that, it's become a much more family-friendly environment where families feel like the kids can go out on their dirt bikes or ATVs and they don't have to worry about them getting run over. Mm -hmm. um, and there are campsites too. We right? have campsites, primitive campsites. We have a full um, RV park with hookups. Uh, and so the, you know, if you've got your RV, you can come out and hook up and get water and electric and all of that. And it's really reasonably priced. Um, you know, we can camp there during the uh, during the weekends, uh, the park is only open currently Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. These are our summer hours. Our winter hours were just open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. Um, we only have one or two individuals that work the park. And uh, so, just like everything else, you know, it's all about staffing and that. We'd love to be able to open, be open 24 hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week, but we can't. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's it, it's... It's a great, we think it's a really great park for somebody to bring the family out, have a picnic, mm -hmm. and uh, just go out and enjoy themselves on the trails. And there are restrooms and showers even there too, right? Yep, yes. Yeah, we've got restrooms, showers, uh, we've got just about everything you need. A lot of shelter houses for a nice sheltered picnic. Uh, mm -hmm. We even uh, have had people come out and do family reunions on the property. and. Weddings. We actually had a wedding that was canceled due to the COVID-19 that was supposed to go on this spring there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's available for other events, too. We've had other events uh, um, hosted there as well, too. You can rent the property, um, you know, not to you know, bring up things. But, you know, obviously last year we had the gathering of the juggalos there, which yes. was a huge controversial thing, but yes. I think a lot more was made of it than actually was of the event. Yeah, I didn't really hear of any problems. No, there weren't. There really weren't any problems, but, you know, we, we kind of sympathized with them because, you know, being through what we had been through as motorcyclists in the 70s and 80s, um, Bean Blossom, well, we did the boogie, the early years of the boogie. They, it was um, just nothing but rumors and innuendos by the community about all of these horrible, horrible things that go on there, and none of that actually happens. It's just a lot of rumors. Yeah. Um, so there were there were people that didn't want us there, didn't want anything to do with us there. Uh, then when we ended up leaving, the community was upset and wanted us to stay. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, you know, we, 
we understood. We had a long conversation with the, the Juggalo people and uh, met with them several times, talked to a lot of the places that they had been at before, and the board of directors made the decision that, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and, and do that, um, knowing that it was going to be controversial, knowing that there was going to be a lot of people that would be upset about it. But, you know, we have to try to take it uh, with an open mind, understanding that, you know, a lot of that is just rumors. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how many times, oh, there's people, all those people, they do this and they do that. Well, no, that's, you know, I don't know how many times they were talking about how, you know, it's a bunch of racist white supremacists. And I'm thinking to myself, that you see half the people, that, there are people of all colors in that group. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. It's just what people... They, turn it they, into. They, yeah, they, they turn it into that. They, they say, I, I know all about this. No, you really don't. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, I guess fortunately for the community, you didn't have to deal with it again this year because they decided they didn't want to come back this year and they were holding it somewhere else but then I'm canceling that as well too but uh, you know it was uh, it was a way for us to generate money mm-hmm. you know which is important for us and uh, you know we did okay with it um, and we think that the community came out okay we don't think that uh, you know anything serious happened and you know the, the the issue that we had on the property was Saturday night very end of the event um, they have a they have a, uh, a, a tradition of building this giant bonfire, you know, and shooting off fireworks and all of that at, uh, at the very end of the event, kind of the crescendo. And several picnic tables were thrown into the fire pit and set on fire. Mm. But they ended up replacing those picnic tables three times over. Okay. Because uh, yeah, they had bought a bunch of picnic tables, too, and they gave them all to us. So we ended up with extras after all was said and done. That was nice. In several cases of Fago soda. <laughs> yeah, that was their signature right. thing, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, the the park is a good place. It's 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 a great place. Uh, it, it's it's been a good addition to the organization, and we also do off road classes there too. Okay. So we teach anybody from five years old up. So children can take the class as well too. That's good. And. Uh, uh, you know, we have a lot of families that take the class. So we've got a, a group of instructors that teach at Lawrence County, and they also teach up in Wabash. And we've got the Wabash Cannonball Organization up in Wabash. They have a piece of property up there that uh, they said, hey, can we do classes here too? We said, sure. So we do some classes up there and some down in Lawrence County. Cool. I think a lot of people kind of forget about the rec park yeah. in Lawrence County just because it's kind of out in the country. Mm-hmm. But just like you said, that's an excellent place to rent out for all kinds of different things. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's nice to be able to uh, have a nice uh, breeze coming through, and you got a nice little shelter here and some picnic tables. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a nice little quiet place. And if you've got family or friends that like to trail ride, they can do that as well. Do you know, I may be putting you on the spot offhand, do you know what it costs if somebody just says, okay, we want to have a reunion, and we just want to rent the shelter house and have access to the bathrooms and all that? I don't remember, but it's not that much for something like that. I don't I don't remember, but I do know that the, uh, the, the form and all of that stuff is on our website under Lawrence County Recreational Park on the website. You'll, okay. you know, you, you'll find that information in there and the applications to, uh, to, to rent the property. Give us the website one more time. Uh, abate, A-B-A-T-E, online, one word, 
www.org.org. Okay, so they can go on there and find all kinds of stuff that we've talked about today and probably more. Absolutely. They can find everything that's going on. And uh, sadly to say, you know, uh, our events are kind of taken week by week, month by month on whether or not they're going to happen or they're going to be canceled. We have been able to uh, pull off a handful of events. Good. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of controversy and people were upset down in the Lawrence County over the boogie this year. They were concerned about the spread of COVID and how that was going to affect the community. But, uh, you know, we worked very, very closely with, um, is it Doris, the health department in Lawrence County? Who was in charge of the health department there? And with the state um, and uh, made sure that all guidelines were followed. All sign everything was to a T. People followed it. Um, Good. They were just happy to be able to get out and have some semblance of normality yeah. in life. Yeah. Um, where it is right now, I mean, uh, you know, we everything's being canceled. Everybody's shut, been shut in for so long, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. And you know, it's just an ability for people to be able to get out and try to at least have some normal life. Yeah. And they were willing to put up with whatever it was. You know, we have shuttles that run around the property throughout the event. And um, so people can jump on and they can take a ride down to the lower areas or one side of the property or the other. And the requirement was they had to have a mask if they were on it. Okay. Everybody wore masks. Hmm. Everything, mask, mask. And if they weren't, they were put, told to put one on. And, uh, you know, it went well. Uh, we actually, um, it's, you know, people don't know the boogie. We actually create our own little city in there. We've got our own security. We've got our own medical. Mm -hmm. Everything is all handled in-house. And then we work with the outside authorities as well, too. We work with Lawrence County Sheriff's Department and the, the local uh, ambulance services as well, too. We've got paramedics on staff. Um, they had absolutely no COVID case issues during the event. They awesome. had nobody run temperatures. The only issues you have would have been, you know, From typical heat, heat issues, yeah. dehydration, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but it went really well. I mean, we really didn't have any issues with any of that stuff. And uh, that's, that's a good thing because you're always nervous when it comes to something like that. Uh, yeah. You know, how is it going to go? The organization is, uh, you know, can't afford to uh, you know, put on an event that's going to end up costing us a lot of money. Right. We need to try to at least break even, hopefully make a few dollars on it. Right. Um, but we think we did okay this year. Good. Yeah. Good. We had a, we had a, we had a decent turnout, and uh, have had nothing but positive response from everybody. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, Mark, thank you for taking some time for me today. Thank you. Always we good talking to you. You're great to work with. I love. I told you earlier that you have this calm demeanor about you and you're like eh, that may be a maybe no. a smoke screen there i don't know yeah. but you always, you're always great to work with well i appreciate that and i uh, as i've said before i always appreciate you sharing your talents with us because obviously we can't pay you for your articles <laughs> uh we're dependent upon volunteers and uh we're very thankful that you're sharing your talents with us pleasure to do it and people do enjoy it as a matter of fact i 
I think I, I may have gotten a letter addressed to you for the next issue of the magazine too, really? and I should have shared that with you. I, well, cool. But yeah, yeah, I, I need to double check on. I think it, somebody was commenting about your last latest article. Well, I would love to read that. On that. Love to read that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. As a matter of fact, one of the places you recommend. They said I can't highly uh, recommend it enough. But I agree with her. Well, good. Well, it's <laughs> good to hear that. All right. Well, everybody go on to their website. Check out Abate of Indiana if you would like to support them in any way. Always a good thing and always good to see you, Mark. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Everybody go out. Have an awesome day. I'll see you next time.